Hello, everyone. My name is Nate Murray. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale Church, and we are so excited about the relaunch of our in-person gatherings. We're looking forward to seeing you. If you're new to Hopevale, we want to give a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. We have a whole webpage that we've designed with lots of information for you at hopevale.org new. There you can find information about ways to connect with what Jesus is doing here at Hopevale. If you're a family, we also have a page with a lot of family resources for you at hopefail.org slash family resources. The videos that your students and kids would get if they were here in person with us, you'll find on that page, along with a variety of other resources to help you as a family during this time. Today is the last of our messages that we're calling Lessons from Lockdown, and Pastor Dan will be with us to share the lessons that he's learned. I've gotten so much out of this series. I've learned so much every single week. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today, and we're looking forward to all that Jesus has in store for us. Hey, Hopevale. We're the Stella family. I'm Aaron Stella. I've been going to Hopevale for about 30 years. And I'm Jamie. I've been attending Hopevale for 25. I'm Caleb. I'm and Zoe. I'm mine. We've known Hopevale for our whole lives. And throughout our time at Hopeville, we've served in different ministries. We've also been a part of four different community groups and have loved being a part of everyone. And we're just going to give a shout out to our current community group right now. Hello! Hello! Anyways, to lead into worship today, we'd like to read to you a Bible verse from the Book of Romans. And it goes something like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, for 1 and 2. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the chance to get together and do church today. And I do pray that you would... Help us not to conform to this world, that you would renew our minds, and that you would um, just help us to pursue you in our daily life and know that you are the one that we want. Thank you for, uh, again, the chance today to do church, and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you.
Yeah, Lord, um, what a prayer that uh, you would do all of those things and show us who you are and to lead us in your love. Thank you, Lord, for the Stella family and the way that they've encouraged my life and, Lord, the way that they encouraged all of us through Romans 12, 1 this morning as we think about um, offering our lives as a living sacrifice. Um, that's a lot. That's a, that's a huge commitment. I know I don't do that, and it's an aspiration that I need to do that all of my life. And so, um, God, uh, we, we come with aspirations this morning to do the best we can for you, to build our lives upon you, to offer our lives as sacrifices. And so, God, uh, you have something fresh for us today, and we count on that. That's why we come back. That's why we log in. That's why we um, need you so much because, um, God, we're, number one, we're grateful, but number two, we just know that we need you every second and every hour of every day. So, Lord, would you be that God who um, hits us like a crushing wave or a still small whisper today, whatever you decide to be, but I pray that we don't leave this hour uh, the same. I pray that we leave different. Uh, thank you, Lord, so much for uh, Pastor Dan's time and the word that he's had to prepare to um, speak to us today and encourage us along our journey. So, God, we pray uh, for him, and we ask, Lord, that you would use him to speak to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Hopel, uh, this is Pastor Dan. I, too, want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship. You know, it is so good to have you along. It's been over three months now since the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the state of Michigan. And while we could debate the amount of restrictions and the timing of numerous policies, I think we can all agree that these many weeks of lockdown have been hard really hard. For starters, you have these legitimate health dangers. Now, thankfully, here in Michigan, we've seen a lot of improvement over the last several weeks, but we are not out of the woods just yet. Even this past week, we have a family in our church that lost a loved one to COVID-19 with some others in that family who are also battling the virus, and so our hearts and our prayers go out to them. And then also during this season, there have been the economic and the employment challenges that have taken a very real toll on many in our church and in our community. It's resulted in things like the reduction of income, the loss of a job, the closing of a business, these life-altering events, along with then a 500-year flood in our region, followed by racial injustice and nationwide unrest. That has been a lot to deal with. It really has. And I could go on, but you know, here's what I've been noticing recently in my conversations. It's the very real impact that this lockdown has had on us mentally, emotionally, relationally, 
spiritually. That even if the nicer weather and the greater freedoms of these last few weeks have lifted our spirits, the disruption, the disconnection, and even the depression that we felt before cannot be ignored, nor should it be swept away like it never happened, because it did. Now, maybe your experience has been entirely different, and I don't want to talk you into something that you didn't go through. But if you have said and thought things like, I've been feeling sad, feeling alone, or I've been feeling flat spiritually, not really motivated about anything, or I've been feeling a lot of strain in my marriage, in my family, in my friendships, in my relationships. Listen, I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. No, this past spring has been hard on a lot of us, myself included. And so with that hardness, you and I, I think we need to do a couple things, right? That first, we need to acknowledge it. When life is hard, we need to acknowledge it. Don't ignore it. Listen, whenever we are honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with others, we are taking a step into the light of Jesus, not away from it. It means, as the Apostle John says, that we are walking in the light just as he is in the light. See, the life of a genuine Christian is not one of ease, but rather it is one of truth. And so maybe the very best thing you can do this week is to simply tell God in prayer, God, these last few months have been really hard and I desperately need your help. And you know what? You know how God responds to a prayer like that? I think he's like, finally, finally, thank you for letting me into your life, your real life. Now that is something that I can work with. So acknowledge the hardness of this season. Don't ignore it. And then second, when life is hard, learn from it. Don't live in it. Learn from it. Don't live in it. Don't stay stuck. Don't feel trapped. Don't play the victim. Because in Jesus Christ, you always have hope. Always. And you know what? The story never ends in defeat. Never. No, the power, the promise of the empty tomb is that in the end, Jesus and his church, we win. We win. Now, do things get difficult along the way? You betcha. And sometimes it gets incredibly difficult when you feel like you are going to break in two. Even Jesus wasn't exempt from that. But see, that's where the learning comes from, the growing, the maturing, the trusting. And it's the reason why we are doing this series in the month of June, Lessons from Lockdown, because we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to what God is up to in our lives, in our church, and in our world. Now, personally, I have to tell you that I have really enjoyed this series so far and hearing from some of our pastors that as Pastor Adam told us, we are learning to be fruitful and how the Holy Spirit wants to bear his fruit in us and through us to the world around us, including this attractive character quality of godly kindness. And then Pastor Sam, in walking us through the parable of the Good Samaritan, showed us what it means to love better, to love our neighbor better while challenging us to expand our view on who exactly our neighbor is. 
And then last week, Pastor Nate, our Bay City campus pastor, shared the Old Testament story of King Hezekiah and what it means to trust God completely. To trust God completely in the face of overwhelming odds. You know, I so appreciated Nate's transparency when he talked about the challenges of uprooting his family and then transitioning here to Michigan in the midst of the pandemic. And I cannot help but think of similar faith-stretching situations that many of you have had to face in this season, where you have had to learn to trust God completely along the way. Well, today it's my turn to share with you some of what God has been teaching me during this lockdown season. And you know, while it's hard for me to limit it just to one lesson, here's what I want us to talk about over these next few minutes. What it means to learn how to wait patiently. Wait patiently, and more specifically, learning how to wait patiently on God and his timing rather than living in a state of perpetual frustration because my plans have been interrupted. Learning to wait patiently. That has been one of my big lessons from lockdown, and I am sure that I'm not the only one. You know, I think back a few months ago when on January 1st, it wasn't just the start of a new year, it was also the start of a new decade. This was the ultimate turn of the page filled with so much hope, so much promise. As a church, we went through the life signs experience together in January to help us genuinely grow in our faith. We welcomed Pastor Nate and his family to our church to begin a new launch, a new chapter of what God was doing in Bay City. And then in February, we did a series on commitment called Leap, then devoted the month of March to 31 days of prayer. We're on this very stage. Back on March 1st, I made this statement that this next month is going to shape our next decade. That this next month is going to shape our next decade. And we had put together daily prayer devotionals. We had created several prayer events. And then, bam, it happened. The virus struck. Lockdown came. We stopped meeting together for worship in the same physical location. And all these wonderful plans we made for our church were suddenly put on hold, just like that. And what I wanted to happen right then and there, it would have to wait for later. Later or maybe even never at all. Now I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> that beyond the fear surrounding the virus, I was also dealing with frustration because I had to wait. I had to wait because I did not get what I wanted when I wanted it. And I know the same was true for many of you as well. School events, spring sports, graduation celebrations, family trips, and yes, even wedding plans. You had to pivot. You had to postpone. And yes, you had to be patient. See, that's why waiting patiently can be so hard because when you set your heart on something to happen according to your own timetable, but then it doesn't, there's this inevitable feeling of disappointment. I think of Proverbs 13, 12 and the wisdom there where it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's hard. It hurts. But see, here's the thing. It's not just the disappointment that makes waiting patiently so hard. 
No, it's also that feeling that you're wasting time. You're wasting time. I should be doing this. I could be doing that, but instead it feels like I haven't been doing anything at all. Now talk about a common lockdown experience, right? You ever felt that before? Listen, if you have any sense of drive, motivation, accomplishment, productivity, any sense of mission in you, the feeling like nothing is happening at all can be the absolute worst. The absolute worst. But God, we, we had all these wonderful plans in place. God, there are all these desperate people to reach. God, and this world is such a mess, there's so much to do and so little time to do it, and now you're asking me to wait? What gives? All this waiting, it just seems like such a waste of time. Well, you know what? It can be. It can if you don't have the right perspective. That's why as a pastor, as a fellow Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, I want to share with you the valuable lesson that God has been teaching and reminding me over and over again this season because I think I'm not the only one who needs it. Here it is. That waiting on God isn't wasting your time because he is always at work. Waiting on God isn't wasting your time because he is always at work. He is always at work in us and through us. He is always at work even when we are not. He is always at work even when it's not according to our plans. That what might seem like a waste of time to us is never a waste of time to him. No, say it with me. I want, I want to hear it, right? Waiting on God isn't wasting your time because he is always at work. And see, this is where trusting completely, just like Pastor Nate talked about last week, also comes in. That waiting patiently doesn't mean you're being passive, you know, which to some of us is the cardinal sin. No, waiting patiently can actually be a proactive expression of our faith in God if we're trusting him completely and believe that he's always at work. That's why I love the passage at the end of the book of Job. Now, you know the story of Job, right? Job was a righteous man whose plans get disrupted by untold suffering. And that what Job had to go through in his life makes our last few months look like a walk in the park. And so after Job endures the foolish counsel of these friends who told him that all that suffering must be his fault, Job finally then just rails against the Lord with some pretty strong emotion. But then Job, who was in search of a why as to why all this was happening to him, got a lesson in return from God about his mighty power, about his highest wisdom, to the point where Job finally understood. And Job confessed this in Job chapter 42, verse 1, verse 2. Then Job replied to the Lord, now I know that you, Lord, can do all things. God, you can do all things and that no purpose, no plan of yours can be thwarted. Nothing gets in the way of what you want to do, God. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So even when our plans get interrupted, even when it feels like our world is spinning out of control, nothing ever surprises God. Nothing ever catches him off guard and nothing ever gets in his way. 
nothing. No, he is always at work. He is always advancing his kingdom purposes. And part of that advancement is the work that he is doing in you as you wait patiently on him. No, waiting on God isn't wasting your time because he is always at work. And when this lesson can sink deeply into our hearts, it can fill us with hope and it'll change how we live. Now you and I know saying these words is one thing, but living out their truth is entirely different. And I can tell you from personal experience that mastering this as part of our faith in the Lord isn't a one-time box we check off, but rather it's a lifelong goal that we endlessly pursue. So what does it take? How can we make progress as followers of Jesus to live in the freedom of waiting patiently instead of the frustration of fretting constantly? Can I say that again? What it takes to live in the freedom of waiting patiently instead of the frustration of fretting constantly. Well, for the rest of our time together, let me share with you a few action steps that we can put into practice to help us grow. Here's the first. Keep making plans, but hold them loosely. Keep making plans, but hold them loosely. See, the lesson of this COVID-19 lockdown isn't to give up entirely on planning and just aimlessly float through life. No, that's what we would call an overreaction. On the other hand, if you, like me, are a part of the type A, highly organized, obsessive crowd, The key here is to learn how to hold on to our plans more loosely, open-handedly, as an act of trust in God. See, I think one of the less obvious blessings of this season is that it shattered an illusion of control that we never had in the first place. This illusion of control we never had in the first place. I know for me that when moments like this happen in my life, it keeps forcing me back to this fundamental truth about God that I feel like I have to keep learning over and over again. Here it is, the wisdom of Proverbs, right? We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He is the one who's ultimately in control, not us. What a novel concept, right? (laughs) You know, back in March, I thought, how we originally programmed the month and our 31 days of prayer, that that was the greatest plan in the world. And that God, in his providential wisdom, you know, he did end up still using a lot of it. For instance, I love those daily audio devotional prayer guides that we had that came from a cross-section of our staff, our elders, and our congregation. You know, but for me, looking back, the bigger lesson wasn't so much about our programs about prayer as it was the priority of prayer. It wasn't about the programs, it was about the priority of prayer. And boy, if there has ever been a season that we have needed to be a praying church, praying for each other, praying for our communities, praying for our nation, praying for the spread of the hope of Jesus, boy, it's now. Because we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So, as we learn to wait patiently, let's keep making plans, but let's also Hold them loosely. Second, confront your own impatience. Confront your own impatience. Okay, Hovell, this is confession time. And that 
One of the ugliest things I kept seeing in me under lockdown and how it was coming out in the way I treated others was impatience. Far too often I found myself being short and curt with people, which, you know, is just really anger packaged differently. And it's not like they did something wrong. They just happened to be the lightning rod at the time for my impatience. And so in some of my more reflective moments, I'm like, God, what's going on with me? Where is all this coming from? It's so ugly, I don't like it, and I'm sorry for it. I mean, after all, if patience is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that it's evidence that he is at work in my life, then impatience has got to be an anti-fruit or a, a rotten fruit, right? And so it got me thinking, what is this impatience telling me about myself? How is God working in me when my plans have been put on hold and I feel like I'm wasting my time? Now I'm sharing all this with you, not to turn my message into some kind of public therapy session, but I gotta believe that I haven't been the only one who has been struggling with impatience under lockdown, especially as things have dragged on. So let me tell you what I've been learning as I've confronted my own impatience. Here it is. That worry brings hurry, and panic breeds impatience. Worry brings hurry, and panic breeds impatience. The hurry, the impatience, are signs of something deeper going on in me. Impatience is evidence that I've lost sight of God, that I'm trusting in myself instead. You know, I read this rather obscure Old Testament story during lockdown that really convicted me. It involves the first king of Israel, Saul, and the prophet Samuel. That in 1 Samuel 13, Saul had led the Israelites into battle against the Philistines and things were not looking good. As a matter of fact, we're told that all the troops with Saul were, quote, quaking with fear. Now, the prophet Samuel was supposed to meet up with Saul to lead the Israelites in worship before the next skirmish. But when Samuel didn't show up right on time, Saul panicked. He panicked. He disobeyed God. He overstepped his bounds, and he hastily took Samuel's place in leading this offering of worship. In the end, it was a disaster. And Saul's disobedience eventually cost him his kingdom. Why? All because he could not wait on God's timing. Worry brings hurry. Panic brings impatience. And sometimes the consequences can be incredibly devastating. So here's my advice. Confront your own impatience. Don't ignore it. Don't excuse it. And don't blame it on other people. No, see it for what it is and own up to it. Confess your sins to God, apologize to others if you need to, and then reclaim the forgiveness and the freedom that are yours in Jesus Christ so that when the next wave of worry comes in your life, it'll bring waiting, not hurry. Waiting, not hurry. And then third, speaking of impatience. Be informed, not obsessed by the news. Be informed, not obsessed by the news. Boy, there were times early on in the pandemic where it felt like I was hitting the refresh button on my computer like every five minutes, right? Trying to keep up with the latest of everything that was going on. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be informed, but let's be honest. Sometimes we keep on watching, we keep on reading, we keep on listening, 
not to stay current, but rather to be in control. To be in control. So that when the world feels more chaotic, instead of turning to God and trusting in him, we respond by trying to grasp for control with one more story, with one more article, with one more post. And pretty soon in our search for control, we end up being the ones controlled. And so when we're drinking too much from the fountain of CNN or Fox News or Facebook or wherever, begins to harm our soul. It does, and all those things I just talked about, right? Worry that brings hurry. Panic that breeds impatience. That these toxic qualities start showing up in our lives. Why? Because our pursuit of more information has turned into an obsession. And it's making us more fretful instead of faith-filled. It turns us more negative, and quite frankly, we start becoming the kind of person that no one really wants to be around. Now, just to be clear, I'm not preaching ignorance is the answer, and you shouldn't bury your head in the sand, but I do want to challenge you to be honest with yourself about this. Listen, you know, I can stand up here and preach about things that you might hear in church like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, porn addiction, and even food addiction. But the fact is we can get addicted to practically anything. Even something like information addiction, news addiction, social media addiction, as a way of our disordered heart trying to get grasp control apart from trusting God and waiting on him. So for some of you, maybe there are times when you just need to purposefully put away the phone, set aside the computer, turn off the TV, especially late at night, especially before you go to bed, when all the anxieties can just multiply within you. And instead, to just take a few deep breaths as an act of silent prayer, as a way to express your trust in the God who is ultimately in control. So be informed, not obsessed by the news. And then finally, as a far better alternative, feed your worship. Feed your worship. You know, I purposefully chose the word feed here because our worship needs to happen more than just one hour a week. And it needs to be just as important to us as food itself. It's just like Jesus said in the midst of his wilderness temptations that as physical and spiritual beings created in the image of God that we do not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So yes, you have a body but you also have a soul. So feed your worship. Now there are a million and one ways you can do that. Pray, read the Bible, Engage with our services, listen to worship music, meet up with groups physically, virtually with other Christians, journal your journey, get outside and enjoy the beauty of God's creation, feed your worship. You know, listen, that passage we heard at the beginning from Romans 12, 1 and 2 is about this very thing. It's about choosing our inputs and what we feed into our lives. 
It's like I said before, you and I are not victims. We're not. So yes, lockdown has kept us from what's familiar. It's forced us to be creative. But nothing should stand in the way of us worshiping God. In John chapter 4, Jesus made it clear to the Samaritan woman at the well that true worship isn't limited to a physical location, but rather it's ultimately a matter of spirit and truth. And so we need to continue to do what it takes to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus rather than our circumstances. And we need to keep on celebrating the greatness and the goodness of our God in all things at all times. Because the more we feed our worship, the greater our vision of God will be. And as our vision of God becomes greater, the more we will be able to wait patiently on him and his perfect timing. Well, those are just some of the steps we can take to grow in our faith as we learn to wait patiently on God. And I hope that one of those action steps really resonates with you. But as we think about that, I just want to leave you with this final thought. That if waiting on God isn't wasting your time because he is always at work, then you need to know that some of the greatest work that God is always doing is the work that he is doing in you. It's the work that he is doing in you. You know, I mentioned this earlier about waiting, that some of our biggest frustrations come when we feel unproductive, when we feel ineffective, or even, dare I say, when we feel lazy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not up here advocating for sloth or apathy. But I do think that a season of inactivity like we've been through, it can expose in us a wrong sense of our identity, where our sense of worth is all wrapped up in our accomplishments. In other words, that when it comes to how I perceive my value as a person, I am what I do. I am what I do. That's how we build our identity. And while that may be real in our culture, it is not true of our gospel. It's not. Because the beautiful truth about Jesus says this, I am because he loves. I am because he loves. And that there is no accomplishment out there that will make Jesus love us anymore, nor is there any failure for that matter that will make him love us any less. And praise God for that. Because who you are is greater than what you accomplish. Likewise, who you're becoming is also greater than anything you'll ever accomplish, ever. See, the grace and truth of the gospel says that God loves you just the way you are in Jesus, but that he also loves you too much to leave you that way. In other words, keep the childlike faith, but lose the childish behavior. Lose the childish behavior, the whole I want what I want when I want it, kind of self-centered impatience that can never wait. Losing that is what maturing as a Christian is all about. And some of the greatest work that God will ever do in your heart, below the surface, where no one else can see, is gonna come when you wait patiently on God as an act of faith in him. And as you do, you can be confident, just as we're promised in Philippians chapter one, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion on to perfection, on to maturity until the day of Christ Jesus. 
This is God's forever commitment to you, regardless of the circumstances. That's why waiting on God isn't wasting your time because he is always at work. Let's pray together. And God, um, we look to you. We turn to you because this has been a hard season. And while you have always been with us in it, we have not always been with you. That in the chaos, perhaps, we've impatiently tried to grasp for control on our own instead of looking to you and taking you at your word. And for that, we're sorry. And for that, we're sorry for maybe how our anger, impatience, frustration has bled out against you and towards others, and we've hurt them. God, we seek your forgiveness and your cleansing and the freedom that comes in Jesus to be different and to do better. God, we're still not out of the woods. There's a lot of chaos and confusion in our lives. So may we conform our mind to your good, perfect, and pleasing will. And that, Jesus, we would look to you and find our strength and trust in you because no purpose of yours in our lives, in our church, in our nation, and in our world can ever be thwarted. Praise you, God. We give this to you, trusting in the victorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
I love that last song we sang, Waiting Here For You. It's such a good reminder um, of all that we can experience when we realize that it's not just waiting here for Jesus, it's that we get to wait here with Jesus, whatever we're facing. And though things may not be happening on the timeline that we want, we have the opportunity to wait with Jesus for the things that he has for us. Again, we're so glad that you joined us for worship today, and we're so thankful for all the ways the people of Hopevale have been serving. There's been unimaginable circumstances in our world and in our region specifically over the last months, and our people have been so faithful to serve in so many different ways. And we just want to say thank you to all those who have given of their time and their energy and their resources. If you would like to give financially to Hopevale, there's a variety of different ways that you can do that. You can go to our website at hopevale.org give. You can also text the phrase Hopevale to 77977 to give through the Hopevale app. And then you can also send your gift to the Saginaw Ministry Center either by mail or you can drop it off at our ministry center on Shattuck Road. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. We hope that you'll join us next week as we continue to learn about the hope that only Jesus can give. I hope you have a great week.